0: Not not you, not you, you, you. All right. Hey, that is so exciting. One of the greatest celebrations we have around here is doing baptisms because what that represents is a uh, changed lives. Amen? Amen. And, and that's what's so exciting. As Pastor Mark said, 16 people were getting to baptize throughout this morning, already some at the 8 o'clock service and then a few more at the... Uh, 1115 uh, service as well. And, and change lives is, is really what we desire. It's what God's Word desires for us. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 7. If you have an outline, put that in front of you as well. And um We've been talking about changed lives and the changed lives that God's Word wants in us as we put our worldviews in accordance with Him. Again, our series we've been addressing over the last month has been uh, how we view the world around us and specifically looking at whether we have a cultural worldview that follows the way of our culture or whether we have a biblical worldview which follows the way of God's Word spoken in and to us. And if, uh, if you weren't here last week specifically, and over the last few weeks, I- I'd encourage you to go online and to listen to those messages. Specifically last week, we talked about the transgender issue, and how that is so front and center today, and so many things in the media and the world, and seeing what God's Word says about that. Uh, we talked about the abortion issue, we've talked about ISIS, and all that has gone on there, uh, mercy killing, even upcoming elections that are coming up this fall. Uh, and and what our role is as people who understand God's Word and know God's Word and follow God's Word and the importance of what that is. And so, um, uh, you know, our worldviews really are the basis for understanding of all those issues today. And my question for us is this, what do you base your world upon? What do you base your worldview upon? How do you view things around you? What, What are your answers to the questions that all those things seem to bring to us? If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 7, as I just asked you to. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 27, because there's a great teaching that Jesus gives to us when he has gone through some very relevant and practical teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And then he gets to the point, and he says this. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the, on the what? On the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great, great was the fall of it. Of course, those houses representing our lives and how we build our lives, how we build our, our views of the world, where do we view them. You know, um, we have ten core values here at First Baptist Church. If you've been coming around uh, for any amount of time, you, you'll have heard me talk about those. Um, if you're new here today, I, I encourage you, go to our website and see what those are. Or you can even slip out to our cafe right across the way. And they have them listed right there on the wall. Always the one that we mention first, kind of the first among equals is biblical authority. Because we know that everything else flows from there. If you don't have that in place, if you're kind of just wallowing through and just kind of guessing at different things and what we should believe, it's not going to have a foundation. We know that the Bible has the foundation for our faith and that's what we place as utmost importance. Now we also know we have an enemy, Satan who knows that as well. He knows how important God's Word is. And so he does all he can to discredit God's Word, even within our culture. Um, Many times on Sundays in our Stockton Record, there's uh, a section where it talks about views of faith. And uh, many of you have probably read that section. A few weeks ago, the section came out and talked about the Bible and people's different views and interpretations of the Bible. And I would encourage you that if you read that section... Find out who is saying that, what kind of a church is saying what it says, because what came out, one of my men gave this to me at my men's breakfast and said, did you see what was written in here? I said, I caught it. Yes, I did. Look how um, much it discredits God's word because it's of a different kind of faith. And let me read you just some of what it says. It said, we do not believe the Bible as it currently exists to be without error. They said, since the time the Bible has been written, it has been tweaked Touched up, added to, deleted from, and fit the viewpoints of the ruling class as well as serve the personal interest of religious authorities. People are saying scholars agree there are more than 20,000 inconsistencies in the Bible as a result of different people with different viewpoints. The trouble with those statements is, first of all, many people across Stockton probably read that. And if they're not in a Bible-believing church, then they probably believe that, unfortunately, What we believe, though, about God's Word is that, no, it is true. It's given to us by God Himself without error in the original writing. It's God breathed for us to be able to build our lives upon that, that, is, that is something we need to have in place. Because when you start saying, well, there were things that were changed and there were things that, that were added and that things were taken away, now you're saying, well, you know what? I can read different parts of this and I can say, that must have been one of those parts. So let's just go ahead and take that out. That must have been something that wasn't in there. Let's go ahead and take that out. And it gets to be a real slippery slope. God's word will never contradict itself. Itself, God's Word is true. It's true throughout, throughout all of Scripture. And we need to see it as such. We need to know that it's His Word spoken, given to us, so that we can live upon the teachings that are in there. And let me remind you as well, you know, we encourage you to get into God's Word. We encourage you to read other devotional books and things like that. In our Welcome Center, uh, center we have a... Um, little uh, book. uh, It's called The Word for You Today, and it takes you through every day and gives you a devotional reading, um, which are great to have. Um, One of my favorite uh, personal favorites is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Wonderful devotion book. Some of you have read uh, Jesus Calling and and other things like that. Let let me encourage you in this, that yes, we do want to read, and you read the devotional thought there, but read God's Word alongside of it. There's usually always a verse or a passage that is written, open up the word, see what's written before that passage, see what's written after that passage, and then you can read what someone says about that passage, but don't place higher value on the person who writes that devotion over what God says first and foremost. Amen? And we can get kind of caught up into that and thinking, oh, this was a great passage. Look at this. Well, understand, those are man's words, and some of them can be very inspiring and very, very heartfelt, and they are wonderful. But God's word itself, never substitute someone else's words for what God's word says to us. That's first and foremost what we need to get into our hearts, what formulates our worldview into a biblical worldview. In fact, John Calvin emphasizes the great reformer said, we owe to Scripture the same reverence which we owe to God. I mean, God's Word given to us from Him for us and for the instruction in our lives. And so let me give you a couple of phrases here. And if you have your outline, again, I want to encourage you to have that in front of you. In the um, rectangular box, I have a couple of phrases there. Because if you want to be a healthy follower of Jesus... We need to learn how to get God's word into our lives. And to take that and digest that and feast upon it. And so the two terms I wrote there were spiritual anorexia and spiritual bulimia. Now some of you are probably saying, are we back in like high school uh, science class? What what, what health science class? What's going on there? Describe that. Well, let me talk about these two terms. Some of you will recognize the term anorexia. Uh, It's an emotional or psychological aversion to food or to eating. And many times it happens in young girls or young women um, that can drop to half of their weight um, uh, and still function throughout their normal duties, but just not eating very well, very undernourished. And the term bulimia is a little different. It's also a eating disorder, but it's uh, um, described as someone who will continually and compulsively binge eat and then follow that with self-induced vomiting or, or purging. And so let's look and see how this applies to what we do spiritually, and a lot of times spiritually with God's Word when we do this. So the definition I gave to spiritual anorexia is an aversion to reading the Bible. And to spiritual, uh, spiritual bulimia is an aversion to applying what the Bible says, or applying the Bible to my life. Now, what do you mean, Pastor Go with me on this. Okay, follow me on this and how important this is. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, here is even what he said to overcome that temptation. He said, it is written, man shall not live by what? Brethren, so not just by the food that you take in physically, but he said, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, it is your spiritual substance. It is what you need to live spiritually. And unfortunately, what has happened in churches today is we are not in taking God's word. Maybe we come and we hear it on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. I mean, you couldn't live on one meal a week, could you? No, you need to take it in and read it throughout the week as well. Jesus said, "That's that's my life. That's what gives me life. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It says, Moses, this is the Old Testament. Moses says, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law For it is no empty word for you, now get this phrase here, but your very what? Life. It's your very life, and by this word you shall live long in the land. It is no wonder the enemy is trying to separate us so much from this, and there are so many spiritually anorexic Christians because he knows how much substance and nourishment and and life is in this word. It's why we also challenge you, as Pastor Scott just said, to get come on Saturday and understand more about God's Word and how important it is. And in just a couple of weeks, to get involved with those community groups where we're going to be studying God's Word together with other people and understanding what it means to us. Because unfortunately, what I think has happened in our culture is that the Bible is revered, but it's not read. I mean, you think about what takes place in court systems. You know, they place their hand on the Bible. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, all that kind of thing? Yeah, it's revered, but it's not read. And that's never the intention of God's Word. It was never to be, you know, hold this in high esteem or put this in a special place or have a family Bible where you write your family tree in it or or have one of those up on the shelf. It was never intended to do it. It was always intended to get into our lives, That's the true intention of God's word for us. I mean, we have a family Bible. That family Bible gathers dust because that's not the one we read the most. We read our own Bibles to get into our lives. And you know what that phrase says, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives, right? That's what can happen when we don't pick up God's word and read it. And no one is immune to this. I mean, in my own life, I've gone through phases of spiritual anorexia myself where, where it is hard to open up God's word. I, I so appreciate Dr. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, who said, "Yep, yeah, he's gone through some of those times as well. And so you know what he does? He actually takes his Bible and he leaves it open on his dresser or he leaves it open on his kitchen table or he leaves it open on his nightstand because he knows one of the hardest things to do can be just to crack the Bible open to read it. And so he says, I just leave it open. And so I'll walk by and I'll just take a little nibble. Uh, How many of you like to go to your pantry and nibble on some snacks, right? Okay, same sort of idea. Yeah, just to kind of walk by and to read it and to take that in and to digest that and to see what it says to you. Sometimes just the hardest thing is the very first opening of God's Word. I mean, seminary for myself was one of those times where, where I was often reading not as much for devotional things. I found myself uh, reading for a head knowledge in God's Word instead of for a heart change or heart nourishment. And that's what we have to get to. And, and that battle can still be there where we have to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight to make time to let the world kind of subside and make this a priority in my life. And when that happens, watch what happens in your life. Things just fit together so much better. In fact, on your outline again, let me finish up the outline, the fill-ins. Reading God's Word I wrote down on a daily basis, here's what it does for us. It reminds us that there is a God who is ruling the affairs of my life, and don't we need that in 2015? Whoa, 16. We're in 16, aren't we? Don't we need that last year and this year? Let's say it that way, right? And next year and the years to come. That there's a God in our lives who's involved. That the things that are happening to us are not just random. But God can take those and redeem them and make them better and work through them in our lives. There's a God who's in control. Let me tell you what else it reminds me of or reveals to me. It reveals, the second point, what is true. It reveals to us what is true. It gives us a dose of reality. It tells us right from wrong. It tells us there are consequences with the wrong decisions that we make. It tells us that there are still ten commandments, and there are still ten, not suggestions, but commandments, right? That we need to follow, that we need to step into, that we need to follow. Otherwise, it is swimming upstream in a culture that is trying to push us away and, and, and enforce a worldview on us that is so opposed to God's word. You know, I was doing a little research on a counterfeiting, not because I want to counterfeit currency, but was just um, hearing that um, it's interesting today with our day of printers and other things like that of how rampant counterfeiting is. You know how you combat and find out what bills are counterfeited and what bills are not, are are. are real dollar bills, or $20 bills, or $100 bills, they have experts who will handle the real money over and over and over and over again. So you just take $20 bill after $20 bill after $20 bill after $20 bill and feel it, and feel it, and feel it, and then they'll slip in a counterfeit one, and immediately they will know what it is because they've handled been handling the true dollar bills. Same thing with reading God's Word. When you get truth, 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 now all of a sudden something comes in and it's a little different, it's a little counterfeit, it's a little twisted, you know. But if you just pick up a counterfeit dollar bill, most of us probably would have no clue because we haven't measured it up against truth. We don't know what the right from the wrong is. And so when you pick up God's word on a regular basis, you see that, you understand that, you even sense when... Satan is trying to fool you, when he's trying to trick you, because oftentimes he's not going to just outwardly and overtly show you something or tempt you in a way that is out and out wrong. He will give you just a little bit of truth, but then he'll kind of twist it on you. What did he say to Eve in the Garden of Eden? The very first temptations that he was throwing out there. Remember what he did? He didn't even tell her what to do. He kind of questioned. He engaged her in conversation. And he just kind of threw out a question saying, did God actually say, da, 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 da? Did, did, did he, act? getting her to kind of think differently. That, that's how Satan works. It's oh so subtle. But when we stick by God's word, when we handle the truth, we're able to see what the counterfeit brings our way. Reveals truth. Let me give you a third thing that I wrote down there. And that is when we open God's Word and read it on a regular basis, it uh, reinforces our convictions. It reinforces my personal convictions. Because we live in a society that's trying to chip away and chip away and chip away and chip away in a society that does so much in a PC sense. You know what the word PC stands for? Right? Politically correct? Right? Well, what about a BC society, a biblically correct society that we need to live in? Most of us are, are, are shunned from that. We're pushed away from that. The Bible no longer speaks, says the culture. You can't really rely upon that. No, let's get back to saying what does the Bible say? What's biblically correct, even over politically correct, as we live our lives? And so, first thing I want to talk about. What's the spiritual anorexia that we can get when we don't engage and eat and feast upon God's word? Let me give you the second one there. And that's the spiritual bulimia. Remember what that was? The aversion to applying the Bible to my life. The nutrients don't get in and stay in and get applied maybe i i I eat it maybe i take it in but then immediately i don't care what it says and so spiritually speaking it's the inconsistency of reading or hearing the word of god without the personal application maybe we read a scripture says it sounds great maybe you hear your pastor talk on it sounds good maybe you listen to a, a podcast or something Sounds good to me, but we don't actually do it. It's as though we chew it and throw it right back up and don't apply it. It never gets digested. And we have a church, we have a culture that we live in, church in America, that lives on that. Maybe we hear it, we amen it, it, and we walk out, and we don't think about it anymore. In fact, let me describe it this way. This is a little different take on it, but let me see if we can catch it on this way. Um, Follow me here. Uh, Just shout out the opposite of the word that I give to you. No trick questions here. It's just very plain. Uh, The opposite of up is? The opposite of happy is? The opposite of on is? The opposite of Dodgers is? Okay, all all right, all right. The opposite of winners is? Okay, all right, see how that went together right there. Um, so, sorry about that, just had to snip, slip that in. Um, what would be the opposite of ignorance? Okay, I'm hearing a lot of knowledge. Is that, is that what I'm kind of hearing the most of? I'll give you partial credit on that. I'll give you partial credit on that, right? Because here's where I want to go with this. The opposite of ignorance is actually obedience. It's actually doing it. The knowledge or the wisdom leads to the obedience. In fact, look at the verse we wrote there out of James 1.22. Look what it says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only and deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. Could you ever imagine going to the mirror and seeing like food running down your face? Maybe you got some ketchup and some mustard right there because that hot dog was good. Or maybe your hair is all messed up or maybe your mascara is running and you don't do a thing about it, right? Right? I mean, can you? that's the purpose, the reason that you go to the mirror, you check it out, you look and say, okay, what maybe is off here a little bit, and you don't just take um, um, knowledge in, okay, I see now, before you looked in the mirror, you were ignorant, now it's just like, okay, I got the knowledge, I know, but now what's the next step? The next step is the obedience, to do something about it. To put into practice. So, so, so really when you think about the opposite of ignorance. Not just knowledge and wisdom. It's actually doing it. It's actually obedience. And that's where it comes into play with our biblical worldviews. What, what, what worldviews do you hold on to? Do, do you hear a message and actually apply that message? Do you read a passage of scripture and let it actually affect your actions? That's where this comes into play. Uh, If not, it's just like you're, you're taking it like spiritual bulimia. You take it in, but you just vomit it right back up, and you just live throughout your day. Most of us probably don't hang out in the book of Ezra. It's an Old Testament book. Well, if you're here on Saturday, you'll hear more about that and how that fits into God's plan. But look at what Ezra said. It says, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to what? To actually do it. Actually, he went a step further. He actually then taught it to the Israelites. But that was his life. I don't want to just hear it. I, I, I don't want to just study it. I want to do it. I want to put it into practice. In fact, if you have your Bibles, could you flip over to the book of Psalms? It, it's, if you're not familiar with the Bible, you can find this one. It's the largest book in the Bible. Right in the middle. You just open it halfway. You'll see the book of Psalms. Go all the way to the front. I just want to read some scripture and see how this applies to us. This may be you as you're picking up God's word and reading it and saying, okay, how does this apply to me? Psalm chapter 1, there's a passage in here that talks about the ways of the righteous and the ways of the wicked man. And it says in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And by law, David was referring to direction or instruction that comes from God's word. Notice what it says now. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he, what's the word there? He meditates day and night. That is the digestion. See, that's where maybe some of it hasn't come. Maybe we hear something or maybe we even read something to kind of check off the box and say, hey, did my devotion today, I took care of it, got that. But we don't take some time to meditate. The meditating is to think about it. The meditating is to, is to read with understanding and to ponder the significance of what that actually means. It's allowing the spiritual vitamins and the nutrients to seep into our lives and into our bodies and to our spiritual lives. Now, some of you might say, well, meditation, isn't that kind of mystical and isn't that kind of wrong? No, Christian meditation is the exact opposite of Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is you empty your mind by chanting some meaningless uh, syllables and such. Christian meditation, you know what that is? It's taking it in. It's reading. It's filling your mind with the things of the Lord, with the truth of the Lord, in order that you're going to apply it to your life. That's what Christian meditation is, where you take it in and let it invade and come into your body and understand it in a greater, greater way. And so I hope that you will do that. In fact, I don't have a lot of time here, but on the back of your outline, we reminded you of what we went over a number of years ago here at First Baptist, that if you want a greater understanding of God's Word, if you want a greater understanding of how it applies to you, go along the R-E-A-P, the REAP model. What does that stand for? You see it right there. I'll let you read it on your own. But you read God's Word. When you come across a verse that you like, write it down. Journal. How, how does it apply in the day that it was written? And then the application is, how does it apply to my life today? And then you pray. Four easy steps that you could do with any Bible verse, any passage that you go through. I'm so thrilled for these kids up here and for these adults that have Bible verses that they have gotten into their hearts. And, and, and to hear them say, even your daughter there, and your, your granddaughter, saying, I love them all. That, 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 that is awesome. God speaks to us through his word. And so you grab a verse, you write it down, you, you examine, what does it mean to me? You put it down. How do I apply it to my life? and then you pray over it, that will, that will take you leaps and bounds over just reading through a scripture and then not putting it into practice or not really remembering what it says. And then, secondly, it's a great time. If you're new here or if you haven't jumped into a community group, now's a great time to get involved. We have those coming up in just two weeks. So that you can be studying God's word with other people, encouraging other people as other people encourage you sit in the, in the, in the area of, of other righteous people, not of scoffers, as it says in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Let me continue on just a few more verses. Um, verse 3 it says, He, that is the man who is blessed, the righteous man, is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he, what's the word there? I mean, the picture there is, is, is a tree, by, even by a, a river, soaking up the nutrients from the water and the soil. You know, the most critical part of a tree is the root system. It's the part that we often don't see. We, we see the leaves, we see the branches, we see the fruit, if it's a fruit tree, we see all that. But, but all that is nothing... Without the roots that go deep. In fact, I, I learned that oftentimes a uh, a root system goes out wider, three times even wider than the crown of the tree. So you think about this huge oak tree that's out here in our playground area. Um, the root system three times long would be probably even underneath our church here. And those roots are just seeking. They're, they're just seeking the nutrients that are in the soil. Um, some scientists say that fifty gallons of dissolved nutrients are soaked up by those roots every day. For that tree to live. Think about what that means for your life. Are you soaking up some nutrients from God's word? Because that's what it says we need for it to live. And here's what's interesting in the culture and the day that we live in today. In California in particular in 2016, drought has hit our land. And we will see trees fall and topple more and more and more as winds come and as storms come because those roots were not deep seeking the soil, the deepness of the water that's underneath the ground, but seeking more of a topsoil. And when the rains have not come, those trees will topple and they will fall. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 7. And you'll see some of that. Because folks, we don't have a choice whether storms come. Storms are coming on our lives. Storms will be there, but those storms will review, re- will reveal how deep your roots go. And so today's message, pretty simple: open up God's word, feast upon it. Don't be spiritually anemic or um, anorexic. Don't be spiritually bulimic. But feast upon God's word. Get involved. Walk throughout God's word in a way that our culture will show you just the opposite. But in a way that says, I want to go deep in my faith. I want to understand what God's word says. And not just from my pastor. Not even just from other people around me. But God, what you are saying to me directly. Because when the storms come... That's how you take your steps with the Lord. That's when the roots go deep. And that's how you stand tall, as it says in Psalm chapter 1. A tree planted by the water, showing, growing, rooted. Folks, storms will come. Things happen in life. My prayer is that you stay tall. Stand rooted in God's word. Because that's how you pass the test of time. Start it today, if not already. Start it today. Let's pray. God, your word we hold up high. Your word is honored above all else. God, we thank you that your word has shown us what Jesus means to us. A personal salvation... uh, a gift that Jesus has given to us, love, winning, conquering, love, changing our lives. And God, may our culture, as they try and do away with the importance of your word, may our culture that tries to throw counterfeits upon us, Lord, our our culture and the evil one who tries to dissuade us and tell us it's, Not valuable instruction that God's word speaks to us. Lord, may we see the truth. May we see your truth. And may that truth help us live and be bold in our faith. Be growing and be strong. Lord, I know there are people across this congregation who are hurting today. They are are coming in with storms. There's a storm upon them. God, i pray that they will find solace and instruction and direction in your word today they will find you speaking to them god for maybe others who are not in that place right now we we, we soak up those nutrients our roots we develop that system that goes deep so we when those storms come may also stand and stand strong Lord, we celebrate with those who are baptized today as new roots are put down, as people come along and encourage and support them. Lord, for other decisions that need to be made today, Lord, we encourage them to take that step of faith. Folks, if you're here today and you have not received Christ as Lord and Savior, that's where it begins. It begins with understanding how good he is to us. It begins with understanding, as God's word said, that Jesus went to the cross to die for us, not just for the entire world, but for you personally. And if you've not made that decision, Today could be the greatest day to do that, just to say, yes, Lord Jesus, yes, I invite you to come into my life today, yes. Maybe today you made a decision that you've not gotten baptized, you need to take that step, please, after the service, come talk to myself, come talk to someone out in our welcome center, at the Next Step Center, we'd love to help you take that next step. For the rest of us, it's opening God's word, it's nibbling upon it, it's feasting upon it. It's taking it in and applying it because it's our life. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together, our worship, even now as we end this time in celebration. May it not be just something we do here, but may it be a celebration we have as we go throughout this week. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.